This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast, because marriage without maintenance will break. I am your happily married host, Jason Parham. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Today, learn God's prescription for a hurting marriage. For notes and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash rx. No one would argue that the institution of marriage is in trouble today. The divorce rate is like off the charts. Couples married for years are getting divorced or separated. I'm even shocked at the number of couples in the ministry who are struggling with their marriage relationship. Most of the time, we don't really see the problems until it's unavoidable in becoming public. And that's just in what we actually see. I think there's a bigger problem what we can actually see and all the statistics that we see that we've all heard the statistics that over 50% of all first marriages will end in divorce and second marriages is like 70%. We see these statistics and then we actually see with our eyes people struggling with their marriages and we hear when things go wrong in a marriage. This is what we know about. I think there's things we don't know about going on. I think there's a deeper problem with marriage relationships and what we actually see. Maybe a couple stays together because of a church position like pastor. I mean, they got separated or divorced, they would lose that ministry. Or maybe they stay together to protect their pride or their reputation. You know, regardless of the actual reasons for keeping a marriage together in public, they are broken and hurting in private. But even those problems that are, are being hid will eventually come out. Now, maybe the children know about it and they'll live with that. They'll live with that knowledge of that problems in the marriage. Or maybe someday there'll be some like explosive reveal. Oh my goodness. They were having marriage problems all along and we didn't know about it. And it was really heartbreaking when you see the loss of a beautiful love and it becomes like the new cycle within the circle of the people that you know. And I've said it before. No, wait, that couple. Those people are no longer together. I can't believe it. I had so much respect for them. But that's just the way it is. We're caught up in this news cycle. And we hear it all the time of couples who seem to have everything together. But behind closed doors, things were not so good for them. The truth is you can't ignore marriage problems and expect them just to get better on their own. Nor can you neglect your marriage relationship. And expect somehow to stay happily married. You may be happy for a time in that neglect. But you know, it's going to eventually catch up with you. Those problems in your marriage, those things that you're ignoring, those problems will catch up with you. And you'll realize, hey, I need to get some things straight in my marriage or I'm going to lose my marriage. This happens to a lot of people. You know, obviously, God didn't intend for your marriage just to exist. I mean, God created the marriage covenant with the idea that you would strive and be madly in love for a lifetime. So let's just look today at God's prescription for a hurting marriage. God's prescription for a hurting marriage. Here's a table of contents. God's prescription for a hurting marriage. Number one, laugh often together. Number two, give good reviews. And number three, make your marriage a ministry. So number one, laugh often together. I have to admit that this is a prescription that my wife and me have not been able to use very much lately. 
we just have some things going on that it's hard to talk about. It's hard to understand. There's some things I go through that you would not know about. And even people close to us don't know some of the things that we've gone through, some of the heartbreak and things that are just hard to understand. As many of you know, my nephew, Jack, was killed by a reckless driver just a couple of months back. And we're still trying to process that grief and that pain and that loss. The bottom line is we just haven't laughed very much lately like we used to. But that doesn't change the value of laughing together. Laughter is the best medicine. You know, it's an old saying that's actually backed up by the Bible. If your marriage is hurting, laughing is like a medication that heals those hurts. Listen to what God says about it. In Proverbs chapter 17, in verse 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But it's not just laughing in general. It's laughing together that brings healing to the hurts of your marriage. Sometimes my wife and I talk about our honeymoon. You know, which looking back, you know, it had a lot of laughable moments. I was going to be romantic. You know, I had this idea in my head. Have you ever heard that when you first get married, it's your honeymoon night, and you carry your bride over the threshold of the door? I'm not sure where that came from or why we do it, but it sounded really romantic to me. And I said, and my wife is going to love it if I do that. So we got to our hotel room on that first night, and I picked her up to carry her over the threshold of the door, and instead I banged her head up against the frame of the door. I mean, it's, it was not funny at the time, but looking back, it's so hilarious. I hit her head on the door. She's like, oh, my goodness, what happened? I intended it to be a romantic moment, and it really did not end that way. We both came from strict homes, and that's great. But we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, I didn't know how to be romantic and I didn't, I was clumsy and awkward. And we look back on those moments and we just laugh together because those are funny moments that we had. You know, eventually I learned how to not be like Hagar the Horrible or something. You know, but these memories that we have together as a young couple and the things we did that were absolutely just flat out dumb. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. Those are funny moments that we share together. Those memories that we have. Laughing together is like a medicine that heals the hurts in your marriage. We take the memories of those funny moments and our life together. When we laugh at those moments, not laughing at each other, but laughing at those moments, it makes our life together more meaningful and intimate. I mean, laughter is like a glue that holds your, your relationship together. I'm not talking about someone who's silly all the time. I know people like that. I'm not talking about just being silly. But I'm talking about taking the time as a couple to enjoy each other's company. It makes all the difference in the world to your relationship. Laughter is intimate. You know there's something really intimate for a man and a woman to laugh together. It's like you're making a connection with each other that takes your relationship to a deeper level. If my wife and I were struggling in our relationship and I saw her laughing with another man, it would make me feel so cheated. That's because laughing together is one of the most intimate things you can do. It's like a connection with each other. In a 2015 behavioral study for the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, 
Don't tell my wife I'm quoting something from North Carolina because she's a huge Duke fan. This is a good study, though. By the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill, it was performed by Laura E. Kurtz and Sarah B. Algo. They studied 71 heterosexual couples in regards to laughter and relationship well-being. The results were overwhelming. The couples who laughed simultaneously measured with the best relationship quality, closeness, and social support. It's no surprise to the Christian here because what did I say the Bible said? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So laughing together helps your marriage relationship. Maybe we should just say it together. The couple that laughs together stays together. If you can learn how to laugh together, you can use that laughter to make a connection that's deeper and more meaningful in your relationship. Laughter just promotes so many personal emotions. And to share that laughing together is incredibly intimate. Have fun together. Usually the things that make us laugh together are the funny things that happen to us. That's why it's so important to have fun together. To plan moments where it's just to the two of you by yourself. Do things alone so that you'll have those fun moments to relive later. It's a shame that a lot of people, the only funny memories or the happy memories that they have are those times when they were dating or when they first got married and they were on their honeymoon. It's really a shame that we don't have more moments like that, that we didn't create more fun times with each other. But make time, make some quality time to create those moments so you can relive those later and have those moments you can share It's moments that just make you laugh together. To be completely honest, marriage is like being on a roller coaster. I used to have these awesome, thrilling moments. And then there's these other moments when you're just sitting in the station or waiting in line and really nothing's going on at all. But when you're in those moments, when you have those moments, those thrilling moments, those great moments, those moments that you can share and remember together, You can rely on those in your downtimes. So make those fun moments with each other. Just have fun together and make those memories that you can share later. To put it another way, marriage has ups and downs. So learn how to relish the moment in the ups so you can lean on those in your downtimes. So number one was laugh together. Number two is Give good reviews. You may know that I recently published a book and it's available on Amazon. I'm also working on another book. But in the process of learning how to do this, I've also learned the importance of reviews. I've never really thought about it, but when I buy things online, I really look at those reviews. You know, they're like the five stars and, you know, it may be three of those stars lit up or it could be all five lit up. And you know, when I see all five lit up or almost all five lit up, I'm like, oh, wow, this is a good product. And sometimes I'll even read the reviews that people leave about the product. And it influences the decision that I make. What other people say about that product has a part in whether or not I buy that thing. I mean, if I look at there, there's three or four people say, oh, my goodness, I got this and it was broke. I'm not spending my money on that because other people have told me they have influenced me to make a decision by the reviews of that product that they left. 
and your voice about your experience with something like a book can influence other people who may be considering buying it. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times, unfortunately, as Christians, we leave a lot of negative reviews about God. I'm not talking about a website that you log into. I'm talking about the life that you live and the words that you say. The review to you, the review that you leave for other people who are looking at your life. And you don't have to say your star rating for people to see what it is. Really complaining is like writing a negative review about God. The Bible tells the story of the nation of Israel's miraculous escape from Egyptian bondage. And God led them out and they're on this journey to the promised land that the land that God had promised to give them. And in Numbers 11, the people complained about how God was taking care of them. What, what was happening? God was providing them with this manna to eat. It was an amazing food that filled them up and they gathered it every morning and there were all these ways they could cook it. They just got tired of eating it, I guess. It's like they forgot that they were like slaves in Egypt. And they said, man, we had stuck eating this manna and there was like garlic and butter in Egypt and we just don't have that out here. And so they complained. It's like they gave a review of God, of God's provision for them. And it was not a good one. And they really wanted some meat. So God was actually angry about this. And he gave them quail to eat. That was a meat that people really enjoyed eating in that day. But the thing is, he gave them so much quail, it was ridiculous. I mean, they were completely sick of eating this quail. And God wanted them to get sick of that. He wanted them to see what their complaining was doing to their relationship with him. Even some of the people even died as a result of their complaining. When you complain, it's like you giving God a one-star review. Because you don't like what's going on in your life. You know, I've had services done for me, or bought a product, and I've left a review. But like I said, I never realized the impact of it until I wrote a book and put it, put it on Amazon, put it on the internet to sell. But it makes a big deal. And when we complain about God, it's like we're leaving a one-star review of what God is doing in our life. It's like, here's the image of you, and beside it, is like one star out of five. And you leave a review. Man, this product is so bad that if I could do less than one star, I would. But that's the way we act sometimes. The words that we say and the attitude we have about what God is doing in our life is like giving him a bad review. Choose to focus on the good in your marriage and not on the bad. Focus on the good in your marriage. Learn how to give your marriage a good review. I'm going to tell you a dirty little secret, and that's that every marriage has problems from time to time. That's right. There's like no such thing as a perfect marriage. And sometimes you can't help the problems that you're having or that come up in your marriage. And sometimes you can. You can change those problems. But sometimes things happen in life and things happen in marriage, and there's not one thing you can do about it. But I have found that when I'm unhappy in life in general, it's because I'm focused on my own happiness instead of focusing on the joy of bringing happiness to my spouse. 
That's where true joy comes in marriage. It's in making your spouse happy. Not in whether or not you're happy, but making your spouse happy. Love is not about you being made happy. It's about seeking happiness for your spouse. But even when there's things you may not be happy with in your marriage, things are not making you happy in your marriage, or even when you're maybe struggling in your marriage, chances are there's some good things going on in your marriage too. And the key is just to focus on those good parts while you work on fixing the broken ones. Once you locate the parts of your marriage that you're not struggling with, you can actually enjoy those parts while you work on the ones that you are. Learn how to make the review of your marriage a five-star. Here's some practical examples. You may be unhappy with the amount of time you spend together. This happens after you have kids. It just gets harder to spend time together. So you can talk to your spouse about making more time to spend together. But while you're doing that, take advantage of the time you do have together. Those few minutes, make that your quality time. Enjoy the time you do have while you work on a way to have more time together. Here's another example. You know, sometimes after having children, wives become more like mothers. And they extend that mothering to their husband. I'm going to tell you right now, this really doesn't go over good with husbands. After all, if a man wanted to marry his mother, he would have just stayed at home and not got married at all. But the solution to this is to just sit down and talk to your wife about the way she's treating you, about the way she's making you feel. Now, that might be hard to do, but it's worth it to make your marriage better. Your marriage doesn't get better just by ignoring the problems that you have. Sit down and work through the problems you have. But while you're working through that problem, enjoy the good parts of your marriage. Sit down and discuss it. It may be hard to do, but you can sit down and talk about this with your wife. Hey, look, you're mothering me way too much. I need you to be my wife and not my mother. Let's work this out together. And while you're working through that problem, enjoy the good parts of your marriage. Don't just throw your marriage in the trash. Don't just give up on your marriage. Don't seek some other relationship because you're having problems with your spouse. Deal with that problem. Don't ignore it. But while you're dealing with it, enjoy the good parts of your marriage. Or how about this example? You know, a wife commonly complains that her husband is not being romantic. I mean, that's a huge thing you hear wives say. My husband is not romantic. Here we go. Instead of assuming your husband can read your mind, how about talk to him about some practical things he can do that are romantic? Guys are real simple this way. Just come out and say it. Just give us some practical examples, some concrete things we can do to be romantic. And that makes it easy for us. If you want to change that part of your relationship, sit down and work on it together. But while you're doing that, enjoy the moments that you have together. Enjoy the parts of your marriage that are in great shape. And I'm positive that there are some parts of your marriage that are just awesome. You have to focus on those things while you're working on the other problems in your marriage. And by the way, remember the dirty little secret? 
You're always going to be working on something in your marriage. No marriage is perfect. And here's here's a big here's a tip for wives dealing with your husband. When he tries to be romantic, make a big deal out of it. I mean, if he brings some flowers home, even if they're not your favorite flowers, just go crazy. I mean, show him how much you appreciate him being romantic. And it like conditions are mine. Now I know I got rewarded for what I did. I'm going to keep doing it now because I want to get rewarded again. I mean, it's like I put this candle in the middle of the table and it made all the difference in the world. This is great. This is awesome. I'm going to start doing it again. And like the flowers, if maybe they weren't your favorite flowers, still make a big deal out of it. And after it's all said and done, when you're walking through the store later, I really love the flowers that you got me, but I like that. Those are my favorites over there. Now I know what kind of flowers to get you. Now I know how to be romantic. Now I know how to make you happy. So learn how to fix the problems in your marriage. Work together those to fix those things. And you can make your marriage like a five-star marriage. I'm going to tell you right now that I have a five-star marriage. I would recommend the type of marriage that I have to anyone. Do I have problems? Do we have things we're working through all the time? Absolutely. And most of the time, it's problems on my end. You know what? We're working through those things together. But in the process, we absolutely love each other. And we love being together. Because we have a great marriage. It's a five-star marriage. Because I choose to focus on the good things about our marriage. That's how you give your marriage a good review. So he said, laughed often together. God's prescription for healing the hurts in your marriage, number one, was laughed often together. And number two, give good reviews. And finally, number three, make your marriage a ministry. Ministry is competitive. It seems weird to say it, but it's true. People long for the chance to have their name attached to some meaningful ministry. I mean, ministry today is like some kind of career. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a need to feel important or have a legacy or whatever. But people will fight, split a church, ruin relationships, all for the opportunity to have some kind of a ministry. I don't mean to sound cynical. It's the way things are sometimes. You know what really makes the whole thing outrageous is when you read the Bible and learn about the ministry that Jesus had on earth. He had 12 disciples. He had 12 men that he was really able to minister to. And then he had a few close friends that he also ministered to. Even his family kind of distanced themselves from him. His mother obviously believed in him in her heart, and we see that throughout the New Testament. And his half-brother James actually wrote a book of the Bible. And so... We could say at some point that he kind of came around to Jesus, but for the most part, his family didn't have a lot to do with him. They didn't have a lot of respect for him, but he had this ministry. He had these people that he was able to minister to. I mean, Jesus would go into a town to minister to one person. He would go into a town with the idea of ministering to one person. The thing is, people miss ministry opportunity that's right in front of them looking for some great ministry to have. That's what happens in marriage. Marriage is a ministry. 
And it's one that people just trip over and it's right in front of them. I think a lot of people are messed up in this area. I mean, they're looking for some kind of ministry and there are other ministries. They're like right in front of them, ministries to their family, ministries to their, their spouse, different ministries in the church that they could just involve themselves into and really impact some people. But people trip over that looking for some great ministry. Your marriage is a ministry. The Bible alludes to this in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 33, when these words are said, But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. And again, in the latter part of 1 Corinthians 7, in verse 34, But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. The ministry to your spouse is your first and most important ministry on this earth. That ministry to minister to the needs of your husband or the needs of your wife. By maintaining a good relationship with your spouse, you are doing the will of God for your life. And this is a very important ministry. Look at your marriage like a ministry. You have this opportunity to serve each other and serve the Lord. So don't miss it. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians are missing it. The truth is, your marriage relationship is in the condition that it's in because you chose to neglect the ministry of marriage that God gave you. Apply the ministry of reconciliation to your marriage. God offers this world forgiveness and reconciliation through the free gift of salvation. It's a relationship that he gives and a constant restoration that he offers to the believing sinner. My walk with God, in my relationship with God, there are times when my relationship is not right with him. And he offers me restoration in that. It's like a cycle. Sometimes I fail him, I trip up. I ask him for forgiveness. And he offered, he has this ministry to me where he offers me forgiveness and restores me back to where we were at. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 19. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It's the same way in marriage. You can offer this ministry of reconciliation to your spouse. You know, your relationship is on the rock, so to speak. You offer them forgiveness and restoration. Even when you mess up, your marriage can be restored to even a better condition than it was. You know what? If we go back to like my relationship with the Lord, the fact that the Lord forgave me for what I did wrong, the fact that he restored our relationship makes our relationship more deeper and more meaningful to me. That he loved me so much that he was willing to restore that relationship. That's the way we should be toward one another in marriage. Marriage gives us the opportunity to show the love of Christ to your spouse. This doesn't mean that they're not held accountable for what they do, but in that accountability, that you're willing to love and offer restoration in your marriage relationship. In summary, God's prescription for hurting marriage 
Number one, laughed often together. Number two, give good reviews. And number three, make your marriage like a marriage. Thank you for listening to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. If this podcast episode has been helpful to you, consider sharing it with a friend. Remember that God has great things planned for your marriage. So don't miss it.